Thank you, Jay, and the praise band for leading us in worship. Let's give them a hand this morning. Thank you. You do a wonderful job. Thank you, Jay. In 2012, I had a friend who allowed me to borrow the Chronicles of Narnia, the radio series. It's an audio drama. It's awesome. We had a long road trip, and we were able to listen and go through these stories. And, and as we made our way out and, uh, to North Carolina um, two weeks ago, we, um, I, I put in the last battle in audio. It's my favorite of the story. I think it speaks to what we're dealing with, to the end times, the end things. It's my favorite story of all seven books. But it depicts several uh, deep theological truths. Um, there's a false Aslan giving out orders, and many are deceived into following this false Aslan. And when they confront these lies, others begin um, to take their own sides. You know, if they weren't right, how do we know you're right? And there's so much confusion, and there's a group of dwarves who say the dwarves are for the dwarves now. They're very uh, egocentric, if you will. We're seeing that in our time, that people's love will grow cold. And the deceivers actually try to merge uh, the false Aslan with a foreign god called Tash. Uh, it is the merging, if you will, of Christianity with other religions. And they call them Tashlan, hoping to merge the two religions. Basically, all religions are the same. If you've ever heard of Chrislam, that's what they're trying to teach, or that our God is the same as Allah. This is happening. Now, after this long, intense battle in the story, the children, King Tyrion, and many others make it to Heaven, Narnia's heaven, called Aslan's country. And C.S. Lewis has a wonderful way of portraying heaven. The way we think of it today, it's almost like we're scared to go to heaven. He describes it as being so beautiful and how you just pass into this wonderful country, Christ's country. And King Tyrion, while they're there in Christ's country, the heaven there, he asks the other kids that were there, the kings and queens of Narnia, where is Susan, one of the four original kids in the story? And Peter answers. It says, my sister is no longer a friend of Narnia. And you kind of think about what in the world has happened here at the end? There's a short conversation of how she always wanted to be this grown up and being caught up in the world. And then there's no more mention of her after that. And I share that with you today because uh, when I heard that, my heart sank. Susan doesn't make it to Aslan's country. After all she has seen and experienced, she still drifted away. And C.S. Lewis added that to the story to have that realism there that there are people that began in the faith that will not make it into Christ's country. And so here we are, and you know, when I'm traveling and, and we have time away and on the road, I get to do a lot of thinking and uh, thinking about my church. Even though we go away, my heart is here. And so I think about our congregation, I think about our church, I think about what God is saying to me and what I should share with you. And what I felt in this, I was listening to this and tears is are coming to my eyes about this reality that there are those who leave the faith, that drift in their faith. 
And so I want to warn you of the dangers of forgetting what we know about Christ and to actually fight against the spiritual drift that is taking place in our culture. All of you experience it. All of you, if you've said yes to Jesus and begin to follow him, there is something that works against you. There's something within uh, where you think, you know, do I really want to do this? And you doubt God and there's the things of the world that pull you away. The Satan's temptations and all these things are happening. And here it is. There is hope for you. There's hope for people who have drifted away from the faith that there is a way back, that they can return. And C.S. Lewis actually said that kids were writing him. How could Susan not make it to Aslan's country? We love the character. And he said, she could have made it back. And, and they said, why didn't you write the story? And he said, one of the reasons I didn't want to write the story is because it would become a very adult conversation and very long. And he actually suggests the kid, how about you write the story? And so today, I want you to think of that as we get into the scripture, as we get into God's word, as we write this story of, I want to come back. And I want to see other people return to the faith to have that opportunity. And we are going to write that story together. This is the mission of our church to reach Casper for Christ. That means new believers. That means people who have drifted. We want to see them not leave. We want to see them return to the faith. And that there is hope that we can return before Christ shuts the door. So our scripture has been read today. And Paul is writing Timothy, this young minister who's teaching and leading a church. And he tells them the Holy Spirit has spoken expressly about the end things. And as Jessica was reading that today, it speaks about people leaving. And it teaches us to be engaged in the doctrine of Jesus Christ, his truth, and, and how we remain in the faith. But since it's been read, let's pray together this morning. Father in heaven, we ask that you be with us. We've gathered today to worship you. And some among the congregation today may have slowly begun to drift in their heart. And maybe some who had drifted are returning. And I pray today that we resist this spiritual drift. That we fight against it. That we war against it with all our being. And you bless your words as they go forward. That we have the knowledge of God. That we grab on to the doctrine of Jesus Christ, his teachings, his truth in this world of lies. And Lord, that we see you more clearly. This wonderful God, that you are the savior of the world. And Lord, that you help us pursue you with all passion, with all conviction and commitment to be involved in this mission you've called us to. We love you. We bless your holy name in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, now two weeks ago, we spent a long time talking about the order of salvation, the order, the order salutis, and how there's so much more to salvation. It is so much better than we thought it was. It is grander. Um, it is richer and wider as we pursue Christ and draw close to Him and Him to us. This, this life that we have in God is so wonderful. Now, the first thing that we need to deal with today is that people can and do leave the faith. 
And Paul says, the Holy Spirit has been speaking to me about this. He, it is clear, and I want to share it with you. And he says here that they will depart from the faith. Verse 1, now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart. They will leave the faith by devoting themselves. See, the, the devotion shifts. It's from a devotion to God to devotion to uh, devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons. And the scriptures are clear that people can and do depart from Christianity. And the word here for depart means to draw away from. And that means you were part of something and you draw away. To become faithless. You had faith, faith gets you in. Unfaith, faithless gets you out. It means to remove yourself and to stand off. So instead of being fully engaged in the things of God, you've stood off and you slowly drift away. And we are seeing that happen in our culture and in our churches in mass. In other countries where there's persecution and intense persecution, people are coming to Christ. Where we've had comfort, people are leaving Christ. And we spend a lot of time talking about this, this order but there's also a lot of conversation, discussion about what salvation is itself. What does it mean to be saved? And once you are saved, how do you keep it? If God does the saving and we just grab on and believe, how do we maintain that salvation? And the great question within Christianity oftentimes in many discussions is this. Can you lose your salvation? Raise your hand if you've ever heard that question. It's been brought up many times. Can we? Can you lose your salvation? And the Reformed positions and Calvinistic position is that you cannot lose your salvation. They would say that those who are saved will be saved. If you've believed, you will continue to believe, you will always believe, and you will be saved. However, there's been a neo-Calvinistic move within what was originally taught by John Calvin and the Reformers. And they've turned this view, the view of the perseverance of the saints. If you look up Tulip, you'll understand these theological views. We'll get into those things more later. But perseverance of the saints became this new age theology, once saved, always saved. And I've heard it in churches. I've come forward to pray and I've seen people lead people in, in a prayer of salvation. And they would say, well, now you believe and you're saved and you're good. And they don't teach much beyond that. It is, you, you can go into any church today and they're so busy trying to save you, they forgot to teach you how to live saved. I, I mean, I love going to funerals, not that I enjoy death, but I love thinking about eternity and you'll go to some funerals and the pastor is preaching as hard as he can to try to get people saved. And uh, I've never been in a funeral. Somebody said, man, that was an awesome message. I want to get saved. It just, the attempt is trying so hard to get people saved, they forget to teach us how to live saved. And I want you to know, I do not believe the once saved, always saved um, teaching. I also believe it's a very dangerous thing to teach young people. I've watched it. People come forward, well, you're saved, you're good. And then they go off and live in a life of sin, and they always tell themselves, well, I'm saved, I will always be saved. And they drift, and they fall away. And you see this. We've watched this happen in the church. Before long, yes, they drift and, and they become like an average American Christian who has the title Christian. They say they're saved, but they live like the world. And here it is. Apostasy is a doctrine in the Bible. Apostasy, 
means people leave the faith. They leave God. Paul says in his letter to the church in Thessalonica, now apostles throughout the, the scripture, and he says this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3. Let no one deceive you in any way. Why, would, why should we even be concerned about people deceiving you? Because if deception gets within, you're pulled away from the faith. That's why we want the doctrine of Jesus Christ. He says, for that day will not come, speaking of the future days, unless the rebellion comes first. He's giving us an order of things that are going to happen in the end time and that there will be a rebellion in Christianity. The man of lawlessness is revealed and the son of destruction. The word here, rebellion, comes from the Greek word apostasia. It means falling away, a defection, to give up your citizenship of heaven and go become a citizen of the world, apostasy. Now, your more Calvinistic or Reformed would say that when someone does that, this is their easy answer. Well, they never were saved. And, and, and that's harder even to put a grasp on than even saying they were saved in the first place. Well, they're not living the way we thought a Christian should live, so they never were really saved. We, and it actually is an indictment to them. We really didn't do a good job in discipling them, and they've left. Instead of us taking that responsibility, we will say they never were saved in the first place. But this is what we do know. Instead of just saying those things like that, we do know if there is a falling away it is a falling away from something. If you leave, it means you were a part of something. And actually, the scripture tells us the hearts of people will grow cold. Well, if they can grow cold, they once were warm. They were alive. They were a part of the faith. And I don't, I don't like to say that people lose their salvation. When I was coming up in church um, the preachers would always preach, you've lost your salvation this week, you've, you've committed this sin, come back and get saved again. I've never believed that. I always thought it was nonsensical. Um, if you sin, you are to confess your sins to Christ, and he cleanses you and restores the relationship. Now, I believe sin can lead you away, but one sin does not destroy your faith. It can over time. Um, what we do see is I don't believe you lose salvation, what you can do is you leave salvation. Because salvation is Jesus Christ. They don't lose Him. They leave Him when they walk away from the faith. They abandon God. They abandon the church. They abandon Jesus Christ. They depart, as what the word means. They leave Christ in the church. They leave the historical teachings. I can tell when somebody's getting ready to leave the faith. One, uh, they quit giving. Two, they quit showing up as much, and they begin to doubt the true teachings of Jesus Christ. They leave the historical doctrine. By doing what? Paul tells us. By devoting themselves to deceitful spirits. Anytime someone leaves the faith, they are listening to demonic forces. They are listening to Satan, who is the liar, the teachings of demons. It actually says, through insincerity of liars. That you've allowed a liar into your life. They begin to make you doubt the faith. Well, maybe this God is not that good. He's not sovereign. Maybe he doesn't say. Maybe he's not even real. Maybe he's the same as all the other religions. Before long, you buy into these philosophies and lies of the world. So these doctrines are, in fact, influenced by demons. By the way, as a church, we don't believe demons are a mythology. 
We don't believe it's just some phony business. We believe that Satan is real. We believe that demons are real. And there are deceiving spirits. Satan will do whatever he can to, get, to deceive you and get you to drift away from the things that are good and true. That is his job. He wants to tempt you to make you leave and destroy you. It could be that this is the way it works. How do I drift? What happens? It can be, I've watched over the years, that a job becomes more important than your faith. You need more hours. You need more time at work. And a lot of time you need more. Why do you need more hours at work, by the way? Whoever would want to work more hours at work? Why do you need to work more hours at work? Because you need more money. Why do you need more money? To pay for all those things you don't really need in the first place. Imagine if we just cut away the stuff. You'd be like, we're, we're millionaires. Where's, look at all this money. You'd be throwing money around to people. But you'd wa- we waste thousands of dollars on things we don't even need. We spend more hours at work, and that job pulls you away from the faith. Relationships. I've watched it for years. I watch it in my own family. I've watched it with young women and men who get pulled away from the faith. And these people pretend to be I kind of believe in God. You know, I was a Christian. Hey, let's hang out, girl. You know, and, okay. You know, um, they, I watch girls and dude, they're pulled away from silly stuff. I was going to post this and I didn't want to offend people, but I, I, I'm not trying to offend you today, but it's on my heart. If she can make TikTok videos, guys, but she can't make tacos, there may be a problem. There may be a, a focus issue here. So for guys and girls alike, um, it could be that there's just this doubt in your heart. Um, there can be a hurt that happens in your life. I am serious. There's just trauma that happens. I meet people all the time. I'm ministering to people with all kinds of trauma uh, from a, an early marriage that was, uh, that was bad, another relationship a bad deal at work, and they end up blaming God, and they walk away from the faith. Sensuality, um, pornography is readily available. I want you to know, uh, it's increasingly involved with women now. I'm watching people send me videos, and and TikTok, they'll send me a TikTok video, and I was like, oh, that's a great video. The next video is pornography, basically. And I have a lot of guys that I'm not going to even be on TikTok because it's just women are putting themselves out there. And it's just so revealing. To, it's so easy to get involved in. But guys, I want you to know, and ladies, when you're getting into that, you're helping to fund this evil industry that is destroying people's lives. It, it fuels pedophilia. There is child pornography that grown people are raping children. There's rape pornography, for crying out loud. That there's videos and dark websites that people actually go to and watch. And if you're involved in those things, you are fueling that industry. I don't care how simple you think. Well, it's not really this or that. It's just, it's a horrible thing. It pulls our hearts away from God. Pride. I know more than God, I know more than the teachings, I'm going to do it my own way. Denying Christ opens you up for all kinds of deceptions. Drifting is giving up truth for lies. There is truth in the teachings of Christ and the church. Now I want you to hear here um, that you can be led away and your faith can be shipwrecked. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, 18-19. You guys can scroll forward. 
uh, he talks about this shipwrecked faith. That by them you may wage the good warfare. By the way, we are waging warfare for our spirit and for those, the salvation of others. Holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, because people reject these things, some have made shipwreck of their faith. That means your faith can be destroyed. Paul is using the same word he used when he was telling the Corinthian church, I've been in shipwrecks before. I've been lost at sea, and the ship has come apart and sank. So he takes this, what he's seen happen, and he applies it to what he's watched happen in people's lives, that their faith has been shipwrecked. It began to come apart, and they sank. And he says this happens to people that you can have a shipwrecked faith. Here it is. So Paul doesn't want us um, to have this destroyed, sinking faith. Uh, even Christians, Christians, whole churches um, can drift. Years ago, or, or many of you may know, if not all of you, the name Billy Graham. Raise your hand if you know that. I, we need to make sure we still know the name Billy Graham. Um, when he first started preaching in the 30s, if you guys would scroll forward, we have a picture here. When he first started preaching in the 30s, he was doing evangelical campaigns alongside a man named Chuck Templeton, who had professed faith in a Nazarene church in 1936. Billy Graham is on the right, Chuck Templeton is to the left as they're coming off, I think, a plane or a boat here. Um, so Chuck Templeton professed faith, 1936, in Nazarene Church. I think he was 19, and he began to evangelize that same year. Both were what we called rising stars in the evangelical world, although most at the time would say that Chuck Templeton was a better preacher and teacher than Billy Graham. Sadly, Templeton was drifting in, in his faith, and by 1957, just 20 years later, he would publicly deny God. He made a conscious decision not to believe in God's Word. And that's how it began. I'm, I, I'm doubting God's Word. He viewed it as no more than a book like any other book. And then ultimately he decided not to believe in God anymore. He even tried to get Billy Graham to leave the faith. And Billy actually says, you know, I wrestled with this. Began to pray and study the Word, and he grew closer to God, and he grew in his abilities. Now, sadly, the world never heard any more from Chuck Templeton. You don't, raise your hand if you even know who Chuck Templeton is. Exactly. He ended up resigning from ministry. Uh, he would write a book about leaving God, and eventually he left faith altogether. He was interviewed at age 83, and he was asked by a journalist about his youthful decision and as he reflected back on his life and all that took place, he said he missed Jesus. He actually says this, I miss him. This man who had believed and evangelized and slowly drifted away. And as he said that, he began to break down in tears and he couldn't say anymore. He died in 2001. His words imply that he had a relationship with Jesus. If Jesus is not real, how can you miss it? And why would you cry if you've come to some conclusion or truth that God was not even real in the first place? Doubt had filled his heart and he drifted and then denied God altogether. And here's the deal. We all have a tendency to drift in our nature. We have a tendency to walk away from the faith. 
It's found in the great hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. I love that song, but it comes to this, this line that always grabs my heart when we sing it. And I want you to, to hear this. We sing, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Why would anybody ever put that in a hymnal? We're supposed to just celebrate God and all His saving acts, right? And how He, he helps us. And we have all these victories. And we overcome battles and all these things. It's there because of the reality. We are prone to wander from the faith. To leave the God we love. But we as Christians are called to fight the good fight of faith, to swim, if you will, against the current of the culture, the sinful current, to resist the undertow that's dragging us down, to war against this drifting. Now, we've learned that people will drift, they will fall away, they will leave the faith, but how do we fight against that? And Paul tells us in the last verse of chapter 4 in 1 Timothy, we must remain in the faith. Verse 16, he says this as he closes the chapter. Keep a close watch on yourself. Why even say that? Because we have to guard our hearts. We have to watch our patterns. We must examine ourselves. So keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Because teaching is always vitally important. We believe in truth or it is error. And by the way, people will say doctrine divides Oh, we want to get all together with these ecumenical movements, and we don't want to divide over doctrine. I want you to know, doctrine does divide. It divides truth from lies. We want the truth of God's Word. And here it is, he says, persist in this. Persist in it. For by so doing, you will save both yourself and the people you're doing ministry with. Here it is. How do I prevent myself from leaving the faith? How do I stop myself from drifting? We must persist. Persist here means to continue. It means to continue in the things that we believe and have been taught about God. To remain in Christ. To remain in His truth. To persevere. By doing this, again, it saves you. That we don't drift. That we remain in the things of God. And we are actually helping to save others. He also tells us a list of things, I have those here for you today, that he breaks down in the Scripture. He actually, so how do we keep from drifting? One, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. I, I know people that believe in aliens quicker than they believe that there is a God named Jesus that is the Savior of the world. Now the possibility of aliens can be there, but how do, they, have more, they give more evidence to aliens than they do even the truth of what has happened in reality here in history. But guard yourself from silly myths, evolution, spiritual things that rocks heal you. There's this, this naturalist movement that people are praying and having all these weird things. These are my rocks, and we, I speak to them and they give me health. Rocks don't heal people. Now, you can warm them up and use them in therapy on your muscles, and you can say that, but there's no spiritual healing power in a stone or a rock. So guard yourself. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths, too. Rather, what does he say to do? Train yourself in godliness. He actually says, you know, bodily training and exercise is of some profit. Isn't that good for all those who are trying to work out all the time? It's a reminder that it's some profit there. There's more profit in training in godliness. And I, I heard a pastor say recently, and I want you to hear this. He said, stop trying 
and start training. Stop trying to do these things and train yourself for godliness. Three, for to this end, we toil, we strive. How do I fight from drifting? I am fighting against this thing. We toil, we strive to do ministry because we have our hopes set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Four, command and teach these things. Don't give up on the commands. Don't give up on the teachings. Teach these things boldly. Five, set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. This is Paul writing to young Timothy. Don't let them despise you because of your youth. Set an example. How do we keep from drifting in our faith? We set an example that this is real to us. We believe this in love and faith and purity. Six, devote yourself to public reading of Scripture. Exhortation to teachings. We've been reading Scripture publicly. Seven, do not neglect the gift that you have. God has gifted every one of you to serve in the church. Don't neglect those gifts. And eight, practice these things. Immerse your life in the things of God, so that all may see your progress, that we may witness that God is moving and you are not drifting. Now, as we prepare to close here, I want to share a little bit about my mom. And this is a great picture. It was a great day for my younger brother when he was married. My mom, these are just like genuine smiles here. And uh, that means a lot because my mom didn't, she didn't smile a lot. So we have this captured smile here. Um, but I want to share a little bit about that. I had a lot to think about as we were traveling and just losing uh, two loved ones within two years. A younger brother and a mother is challenging in itself. But when God opened the door for us to come to Wyoming, God spoke clearly to me about things. Just as the Spirit spoke expressly to Paul about the end times, the Holy Spirit, if you're in tune with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit speaks expressly about things and revealed things, that things would change as we came to Wyoming. We knew we would miss out on family reunions. Uh, we had to get together with my dad and family in the mountains. We had started to do that annually. It was great. I was going to miss out on the 90th birthday party for Grandma, Grandma Elkins from Alabama. And uh, so we knew some things were going to change, but God revealed something specifically to me. I won't go into details about that. But in this, there's, there's heartache, but there's also a peaceful part. Um, my mom and my brother never denied God, but they began to drift, both of them. Uh, they were living together, and they were just, they become very pessimistic, and they weren't doing anything. They, they weren't doing anything. They would say they both believe in God. They, my mom would never deny God. But they quit going to church. They kind of got that. They would talk that churchy language, spiritual language, but just were not pursuing the Lord. And so when we moved here, I began to, and, and even before we moved here, I began to pray that God would return them to the church, to all the blessings of who he is. Now, while we were in North Carolina, Hurricane Matthew struck uh, through Raleigh and Fayetteville, and Hope Mills, where my mom lives, and it actually, a, a f water came through the roof, destroyed a lot of stuff in the home, and it was weird because it, it broke up this monotony and this pattern of doing nothing. And after that, things began to change. They had to repair things. They were broke out of this norm thing, so God sent something that we said, oh, no, that's bad. It actually ended up being a good thing. But I got a text from my younger brother. I was at the gym, 
at the Y. Woo, woo, we love the Y. Um, October 2019, I get a text from my, my younger brother out of the blue. And he says, hey, Derek, I just want to let you know that me and mom have been going to church again. I'd never said anything to him about it. I'd just been praying about it, and I get this text. Hey, would you send me some of your sermons and these things? And I thought it was kind of, I was like, wow, answered a prayer, but, you know, interesting how that came out of the blue. Lo and behold, four months later, we got a call on a Monday, that uh, February, I think it was the 3rd on a Monday, that Brian had died. Four months later. Just brief. A moment of returning to the faith. A moment of being involved in the church. And I got to do, we were part of the funeral, and I got to do the eulogy for my younger brother. And everybody in this little church, it was not this huge megachurch, it was just this little church that was growing that held the word as in something important, and they preached the word. And my brother and my mom were involved in ministry. They didn't just attend. And my mom was tithing. My mom was never a tither. She threw some money in the plate kind of a thing. And she was living on uh, this meager check and was giving and tithing and and just all these things. Um, But the ministry team there had a lot of positive things to say about both my mom and Brian. They were involved in their lives, and they were involved in the church. They had drifted, but they had come back. It was a sad thing, but also that the prayer and praying for them helped return them to the ministry. And that's my testimony as well. I'd grown up in church, I'd grown up in the faith, but I was drifting, I was leaving uh, and then we recommitted our lives to Christ. And that's a huge part of my ministry. It is a huge part of what I teach. That this is the reality. This is Christ. This is who we believe in. But we were watching people get pulled away from the faith. And it is, we are to encourage people not to drift. I watch when people are coming regularly and then they begin to miss a Sunday here or there for whatever cause it may be and never uh, a huge priority. But Christ should be the main priority. And how do we deal with this? We draw near to God. We get involved in the ministry. We build relationships with other Christians. If you've not built a relationship with another Christian, you begin to drift. Who's going to look out for you? Who's going to call you up and say, hey, man, where are you? Hey, we're concerned about you. We want to make sure you stay connected to the church. That we should grow in our relationship with Christ And when people message me, I get messages all the time from people, hey man, this has happened at church, blah, 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 I'm thinking about leaving, going to another church. I always tell them, don't. Don't. You have relationships with people here that care about you, that love you. A lot of people say they're going to go to another church, they may go for a while, and they end up drifting because they've severed those relationships. But I typically tell people to stay unless there's something serious happening. So how do we fight this spiritual drift? Well, it's as a nautical thing. A spiritual drift is as a ship that just drifts along. There's no sails. There's no anchor. And the scriptures tell us that Jesus is the anchor of our soul. That we remain connected to the anchor. That we do whatever it takes to draw nearer to God. That we step up the game. Now, Billy Graham also said this. If you don't have a daily devotion time of prayer reading scripture, in 10 years, you will fall away. It will happen. But here it is. We've learned what we can do to prevent this from happening. Now, as we began today, um, Jay led us through, I need thee every hour. 
And as we were singing, I was like, man, that is so true. I need God every hour. I need Him right now. I need Him on Monday. I need Him on Tuesday. I need Him through everything that I deal with. And as you recognize your need for Him, we draw into that relationship with Him. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. As we are going to close in prayer, maybe some of you have sensed it. Again, Paul says to just guard yourself from this. And as you've maybe sensed in your own heart and life and walk this drifting, uh, maybe some have drifted and left, and, and here it is, the return can happen. And maybe you have a family member that has drifted or walked away or just needs prayer altogether. And we're going to close praying about those things. Let's pray. God in heaven, we love you. We thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your love, your patience with us. And Lord, as we learn today, we are prone to wander. We feel it. Prone to leave the God we love. And we pray today that we put a stop to that. That we fight against this spiritual drifting. That we draw in closer to you. And Lord, today we pray for loved ones as I prayed for my mother and my brother that you intervene whatever it may be. It could be a natural thing in the world. It could be something that the world says, oh, that's such a bad thing, but it moves them closer to you. Lord, that they would draw in and return to the God we love, that they would return to the teachings of truth, that you would radically change them and save them. And Lord, we have lost loved ones. Save them. Put people in their lives and in their path to bring them to you that they may be saved. And maybe someone today had a little doubt and began to drift. And maybe it's this, this hurt and this trauma. They're still struggling in the past or something new has happened. And I pray today they just confess you. They ask for your help. And we do, Lord. We call on you for your help in our lives. That you restore us, that you cleanse us, that you forgive us, that we may, we may be these, these disciples you've called us to be, fully immersed in the things of God, immersed in the mission, immersed in the vision to reach Casper for you, our loved ones, all that we can get to bring with us. In so doing all of this, we save ourselves, we save our congregations, we save the people we're doing ministry to. We love you today. We praise your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, if you would stand as we close. My prayer is that we, this is my prayer this morning and yesterday, I was just praying for our leaders and our church, that we just fall in love with God. Fresh and new, that we're all in to the ministry, all the things of God. And that's my prayer for you. Be blessed, go in grace, and uh, you are dismissed. God bless you.